I would tell them not to get too indulgent on all their tools and techniques and certificates and that. I would tell them to see what they see as a human being and what they see in other human beings and let that be your guide. Life podcast where we peel back the bull crap and brush away any photoshopping to give you an unfiltered look at what it's like to live a coaching life. And today I bring you my first repeat guest. When he was first on back in episode three, which is a little over a year and a half ago, my goodness, I listened to that this morning on my walk and uh, I had a few cringes. Um, at that anyway okay so we spoke about a year and a half ago and we spoke quite a lot about how his practice looks now and how he coaches now and touched on the principles behind his coaching Um, very useful and very insightful um, conversation how he currently runs his coaching business and um, I think this podcast indeed all of us probably have moved on a little bit in a year and a half uh, and I really like, would like to draw out a little bit more about his journey and also talk a little bit more um, about uh, the impact of um, some of the understandings that he, he uses um, in his coaching, the impact on that um, in his life and in his business. So a big welcome back to Piers Thurston. Hello, Piers. Hello, Phil. Pleasure to be here again. Thank you. Thanks for coming back. So, um, yeah, thank you, by the way, for sort of suggesting, because I, um, I think at the end of our last conversation, you said, oh, we could have a part two, and here we are, and it's taken you know, probably a little over a year and a half. So thanks, thanks for coming back and, and reminding me of that. Um, I guess, what for you have you noticed that's changed for you actually over the last just the last 18 months or so well i i think um just subject to this podcast so i've really enjoyed listening to this podcast probably more than i thought i would uh <laughs> phil so so there we go um l- listening to other coaches talking about their life and realizing gosh you know there's some similarities to my own there so i wanted to come back on and now i know what you're up to just sort of talk more uh maybe in a more useful way um and I think um, for, for, for listeners, and I, and I think our, as coaches, one of the beautiful things that we have going on is that, I suppose it's the same for all professions, but maybe a little bit more in coaching, is it's always evolving, yeah. um, uh, you know, and, and that's part of it. And, and we're lucky enough to be sort of doing personal development every day as we speak to every client and as our business unfolds, we're always learning and evolving. So, um I'm not sure there's specifically anything massively remarkably different to 18 months ago, but where I can, but what I'll do in this is probably shine the torch in a slightly different way mm. um, to show some of the comparisons of of the journey of how it was and how it is, um, and people might be able to relate to that. Um, so, so I'm, I'm just probably going to shine the torch differently. One thing we touched on, I, I just mentioned there um, that certainly for you I, I, I know you've been coaching so it's now 18 years but you came across yes. um what we call the three principles you came across that um in relation to the 18 years relatively recently right when when, when um, was that? about eight years ago yeah. uh, so probably had 10 years of coaching without it um so, uh, yeah, I suppose in a few years it'd be 50-50, but at the moment it, it, it does still feel like quite recently, although it is quite a few years, um, uh, probably for some people who haven't even been coaching for five years, eight years might seem like a long time. So, um, <laughs> but I, I was a slow learn on it, right? I was a slow learn because I had 10 years to undo. Um, and, and, and that's why I, I guess I often get asked the question now by new people getting into coaching, you know, who should I train with? And, you know, my answer is, well, actually, I would go straight to the principles. I mean, I still think there is value in learning some of that, let's call it conventional coaching stuff. But um, I I would start with the principles and then layer that stuff in rather than the other way around, which is what I did and a lot of people did. Yeah. So can we, we, because I want to ask you really and just explore there a little bit 
the impact of that understanding and how how that did change how well everything i guess but for anybody listening who's not familiar with those three principles can you give us a, a 30 second one minute as to what they're about <laughs> that's always a tough question um because they're such a bad name the three principles yeah. is such a rubbish name because everyone goes what are they right so um I mean, basically what they are, they are a, a, a descriptive metaphor to describe how the mind functions um, at, at, a, at a principle level, i.e. consistent, universal for any single human being, regardless to who they are and when it is. And the principles themselves, if you want the names, they're mind, thought and consciousness. But that is totally unhelpful. Um, <laughs> Really. I, I never use those terms either, by the way. I no, just, no. It, it confuses people. So, so, but but what they're pointing to is 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 three kind of universal truths um, about the mind, which people can then explore what they're pointing to, and and they're an A, B, C rather than a one, two, and a three. But 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 mind is pointing to the fact that there is something that is a universal source to every single thing on this planet, in this galaxy, on this universe. Mm. There's an intelligent source behind why acorns grow into the trees they do and, and how evolution happens. And, 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 and that is sourced by something. You could call it spiritual energy, whatever you like. Um, and there's an intelligence in that source. Yeah. So it creates everything and then has the intelligence to run it. And that, that is, you know, out there and things we can see and not see. Um, and then there's, there's, thought which is almost what that source converts into when it hits a human being it may be animals as well i don't know but definitely in human beings and what we call thought so that ineffable invisible energy through the process of thought creates a, a psychological experience for us um which everyone will have one of but every single one will be different in every single moment for every single person yeah. It, it, it's the content, if you like. Um, it's the creative play-doh, and that's thought, and some thought we are aware of, but most of it we're not, but it's creating our experience of the world in any moment. So it's, it's what's being broadcast, if you like. Um, and then the third element is, is consciousness, which just means we have awareness of that. We, we, are, we are sentient beings, so whatever mind and thought are creating, we will feel we will smell, we will sense, we will have a full experience of in an animated and sentient way. Uh, so we have an awareness that that is going on for us. Um, and it can feel like that aperture of awareness varies. Sometimes we don't know we're having an experience and sometimes we really do. Um, so those three get together and saying, well, there, there, there's a source behind everything in life. There, there's, a, there's a creative psychological element to it, which is thought which is the content and consciousness says you are aware of that and you will have a full body experience of it mm -hmm. um and it's the understanding the nature of those three that when people realize that at a non-intellectual level um they kind of fall awake to its full power and glory and and, and majesty and, and become a conduit to it rather than trying to psych psychologically control life so that was probably two minutes but oh that's wonderful and um yeah <laughs> thank you because i did put you on the spot i gave you no forewarning of course that, that i might ask you that's that. okay that's my job phil that's my job yeah <laughs> beautiful thank you um you know and i'll often describe it really as as um in fact i did a workshop just this week and really only covered two points in there because it was just a one day thing that you know the mind really only works one way um, from the inside and everything we're creating everything our entire experience inside of us um, and that we have a natural tendency towards um, well-being and peace and happiness and that's kind of a just a, a twist really okay. well I'd say those two are totally and that's you know where I tend to start with people rather than is the two, two what I call meta implications of the principles that the, oh. the, the fact that the mind works inside out you know, as a projector, uh, and we had this inbuilt, I would say, more than tendency, capacity yeah. uh, for well-being, resilience, creativity, you know, perspective, connection. Uh, and, and, and that's where the rubber hits the road on the principles, because otherwise they're like, so what? Yes, yeah, um, indeed. But there's other huge implications for what it means of how you coach. 
Yeah, so I'm curious about that because I, I remember. So I didn't come up with that whole idea of that we're creating our own experience. I didn't get that from reading um, something about specifically about um, what I described as three principles. I actually got that from a, a single line in Stephen Covey's, Stephen Covey's Seven Habits of Highly Effective People, where he's quoting Viktor Frankl about there being a space between stimulus and response. And I'll never yeah. forget it because I was in Sharm El Sheikh at the time. I think it was 2003, and I like dropped the book. It's like, oh my God, I suddenly get it. I'm creating everything. I'm creating everything. So I wonder for you, was, was there a particular moment or did it take a while to keep seeping in? And then um, how did your business look once you started to to see these principles? Well, yeah, I mean, I I didn't have what I would describe as the big whoosh mm. moment, uh, I would say very roughly about five, 10% of people have the big whoosh. Uh, Sid Banks certainly did, if anyone knows him, and, and a few other people did. But most of us, it's what I call drip drip. So we see a bit of this, it feels, we resonate, we don't quite understand it. We see a bit more, we feel, we resonate, we don't quite understand it. And, and for me, I was, a, I was a drip drip. Lucky enough, I had some, you know, uh, I decided the resonance was strong enough for me to invest in this with some great mentoring from people, you know, um, and um, I started to see it. And then and then the first thing that really happened, I guess, was life felt different to me. I, I felt um, a kind of cushioning between me and life. Um, and I don't mean a, 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 a disassociation. I just meant I could be in life and enjoy life without it being able to get me if that makes any kind of sense. Yeah, you know, I actually do. Um, and, yeah. and that felt beautiful because it, it, with that became a, um, and this is back in the day when there was a HD and not ultra HD, but um, <laughs> life felt more HD, right? And I was like, oh, and a little bit slower and quieter. Um, and then what happened in my coaching was my mouth started saying different things. Um, it would just, you know, in, in a coaching conversation, I, I was very much a, uh, a coach from the world of kind of, you know, uh, I suppose you could call it now, I call it conventional coaching, you know, so goal based. I use lots of NLP, um, some hypno, uh, lots of metaphor and clean language and symbolic language, metaphor work. And so I had, you know, I, I was kind of doing things with people to help them get where they want to get to. Um, and I just found that what was coming out of my mouth was slightly different. And I would almost catch myself and go, oh, yeah. And, and then I'd get into debate in my head going, well, is, is, is that what they want? Is that useful for them? Are, are they getting something from that? And I went for this stage where I would say it's, it was a, a transition, but 80% of my coaching was what I used to do. And I'd put 20% of the principles in. And, and then it kind of went... 50 50 and then it went kind of 80 percent principles and 20 percent. i chuck a bit of the old stuff in just to make sure they're getting a <laughs> value right <laughs> and you know because or oh, just in case they didn't hear what i was saying i'll chuck an old technique in um and, and then it just sort of occurred to me to go full on full on with it and and actually cut the embryo to what i used to do um because what i used to, also i i didn't change the website or anything I kept it what it was and then told them I was going to be doing something different because I wasn't quite bold enough to put out there. Right. I was doing this stuff that no one's heard of before and it sounded weird. Right. But th then I just decided, right, I'm going to just go for it because, and, and the reason that shifted was because my own grounding changed. And so I'm what, what do you mean? What do you mean by that? By, by that term, your, your grounding changed. Well, I started to see more and more the the power of just having this conversation with people, right? Because what sort of happened was, and it's partly my own grounding and partly what I was putting out there, but if I was giving them a mix, it was almost like I was teaching them to swim, but I kept chucking a float in. And if you chuck anything floating in the water, someone might grab it rather than learn to swim. Now, a bit of a clumsy metaphor, but but people would go, so you're saying it's inside out, you're saying this is in this, and then I was accidentally chucking something in that slightly contradicted that. Yeah. 
right? Which took away from the purity of what I was talking about, right? And and I was doing that slightly for my own insecurity that they weren't going to get value, right? Um, and once I, re- and I, and I, but then I realized, no, 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 this is the conversation I want to be having. And even if they don't get it, it's, it's what I want my job to be about, right? So even my hit ratio, hit ratio goes down. Yeah. The ones that do get the hit will, will get a much bigger, bigger thing. Now, funny enough, the hit ratio hasn't really gone down. So, um, but so I then realized I don't want to talk about anything else. And unless in that moment an insight comes to me to talk about something else, yeah, right? Downstream. Um, and I'm never gonna, I'm never gonna, you know, block insight, but, um, I realized that's why I want to be, and I want my business to be about this. Um, even I'm making life more difficult for myself because this is not the normal cell, right? Um, people aren't used to this. It's difficult to describe and unless you've got an hour and a half with someone and you're having a cup of coffee and you can really get into it. Um, even though it's harder, you know, I've gone for a, 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 um, that's what I want to do. And what then happened, so I had a bit of thing, I, so, I, I, so if you look at my journey of coaching, you know, I kind of got into it, I had a bit of thinking when I was first getting into it, am I good enough, blah, 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 blah. Then I sort of settled into a thing. I was gently adding tools and techniques as I went, but pretty okay, you know, fairly in my comfort zone, getting some good results. Um, but but having, and it's only now I know this because I didn't know at the time, but having some attachment to my client's outcome, right, wanting to do a good job, wanting to be valuable, mm. um, wanting to prove that coaching was great. You know, I, 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 I've, and I've noticed this in myself, that I, I have a tendency to egoically compare what I do to other similar professions. So... I'm slightly rambling here, but but I, I used to I used to hire rooms in a, in a counselling place, and it was quite important to me that people thought coaching was better than counselling. Uh, <laughs> I think this is gold, actually, rather right? than rambling. And, and I used to yeah. judge. Oh my God, I'm you know I used to judge them, going, "What do you mean you work with someone for four years and you don't feel any different?" Hmm. Right? Why? You, I, I was like. A, why you as a client putting up with that? And B, Mr. Counselor, Mrs. Counselor, what the F are you up to? <laughs> right? And that's why I never sold coaching programs because I wanted every session to be valuable. Because mm. I felt that they would get them on a program of which 20% was valuable and they were sucking them in for the other 18%. Right? So my business model was driven by my egoic desire to prove that I was better than anyone else. (laughs) (laughs) Which is a bit of a bonkers way to do a business model, by the way, in case anyone was thinking it was a good idea. I'm sure there's many of us that can relate to that, for sure. As you said, that is coming entirely from that insecurity and also this illusion that we think we do have some kind of control. Well, then I would suggest, well, I'm, I'm a little bit on the fence about influence. I think at best we have we have some influence, but very, very little control. What do you yes. think? Yeah, I, I, I agree. And and what the principles help me see for myself, let alone what it did my coaching, is it's not me, hmm. right? I'm at best a midwife, <laughs> yes. right? Um, or a fertility doctor. You don't really need me, hmm. right? Um, although people are sadly being conditioned with some stuff. So, you know, in the met- midwife metaphor, you know, that they kind of don't know how to give birth particularly well, although they probably did it. They really let the innate design of the system come through. So I have to undo some stuff. But um, you don't need me. I'm not doing the work, hmm. Right. I'm not giving birth to this new eyes. You are. And my attachment to outcome is, is a lot less than it was. Um, I still do get a bit of that egoic stuff about my coaching versus others. Right. So I, I, I kind of still do get like, well, of course, if you, if you based in, in the principles, you're going to be more impactful than anyone else. Um, so I still do get a bit of that, but I can laugh at it now. Um, rather than take other coaches on. Um, cause I used to want there to be a coaching Olympics. <laughs> um, 
where all the different types of coaching would line up against each other. <laughs> I don't know how you do it because you'd have to like you'd have to uh, literally clone clients, and then every everyone's different approach to have a go. Uh, and I wanted to win that. Love that idea. So, particularly about your your business, coming across this understanding. Um, if I was looking at your looking at your business from the outside, would that have looked any different? You mean now to before the principles? Yeah. You mean, you mean when you say business, do you mean the number of clients and that kind of thing? Well, um, I'm, I'm just curious, really. What what coming across this understanding and have that you know seep into you? And having the understanding become part of you, what what changed in your business other than you know actually the direction, the kind of conversations you're having with clients? Yeah. Did your business in, in and of itself look any different? Yeah. So yeah. So to start with, it kind of went down, right? Because <laughs> I was reinventing what I was on about. So yes, to start with, it went down. Um, but now. I charge more, I see less clients, I'm more picky, um, I'm more spacious. Uh, yeah, so it's changed. Yeah, definitely. And what would you... I guess there's something in between. Right? Okay, come across the principles, so now you have less clients, charge more, more picky. What's, the in, what's, what's between that? Like, it, it feels to me, well... Because of the understanding of the principles, I now see something that now has me. Yeah. What, what yeah. is that? Um, I'm less insecure about my financial security, which is totally bonkers because I've also got divorced and lost a lot of my wealth. Mm. So I shouldn't be, right? I should be much more insecure, right? If you're looking on, on, a, on, a, on a, you know, that basis. But I kind of have a... I much more trust what we would call mind. I, I, I much more trust my own wisdom now. Whereas before I'd psychologically override stuff all the time. Mm. So I get a sense that a client wasn't quite right, but I'd do it anyway because I wanted the cash. Right? Or um, so it, it just feels, and it, and again, you, you don't know until you, because you know, I still think back in the day, I was fairly unloaded psychologically compared to how I had been and maybe other people. But I didn't realize it could get this easy. And easy is probably the wrong word, but this simple. Hmm. Right? I didn't realize that until I'd been there. So it's almost like I had, this is a metaphor I sometimes use, I had the choke out on my rev counter, but I didn't know I had it out. <laughs> and it's only when the choke goes back in, you realize, oh, and it keeps doing that. That's the odd thing. Now, moments it will rev up and down, but it keeps doing that. So I just didn't realize. Um, and so what? So the, to your question, what's changed is my relationship to my business and, and my coaching has changed. I'm less insecure about it, although I wouldn't have said I was before. So, so being less insecure, what, 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 I mean, to me, I could, I could think, okay, so yeah, when I'm less insecure... I'm certainly much more willing to experiment um, and play. So I'm wondering, how does that manifest for you? I'm, I'm less attached to an outcome. I'm less attached to... Um, uh, I'm less attached to having clients. I'm, 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 I, it doesn't... It doesn't seem to bother me so much whether I say yes or no to a client, whether they become my client. I just put it out there. I, I less think the fees. I just, you know, um, but also I'm more discerning. Um, it just, it's just less. It's just more. There's more obviousness to it. Hmm. Um, I know what I do creates huge value for people. I just have a certainty, hopefully not an arrogance, but just a certainty of that. Not every single person all the time, you know, it's not a miracle. Um, well, it kind of is, but it, <laughs> it's just, I know there's enough of that transformative value in what I do that will blow people away. And compared to what else is out there in anything in the world, this is wonderful stuff. And I'm lucky enough to have this as my job. 
So, um, and, and this might sound arrogant, but it's just like, I just see that. So it, it doesn't, I don't really think it like I just explained it. It's just how it is. Yeah. So what I'm hearing actually is, uh, you already touched on this, is that there isn't anything to prove. No. It's like, well, the, the earth is round. It, it's like you're not interested in trying to prove that. It's a great, it's a great thing you say because I used to try and convince people of it, hmm. particularly other coaches. <laughs> um, but I used to try and convince people, and now I just go, well, see it or don't see it. Yeah. Right. So I I, I talked to some CEO groups who are in a particular setup, and and the way they set the group up is is, is quite sadly in a closed-minded way. So they're a hard gig. And it used to bother me that they weren't seeing it. And now I'm like, well, see it or don't. I'm sitting here, right? We're on a safari. There's a rhino. See it or don't, right? And I'll do my very, very best to help you see the rhino, right? By getting out of the way, usually, uh, metaphorically and literally. Um, <laughs> and if you don't see it, cool. Never mind. Mm. I've used exactly uh, that metaphor. Well, uh... I said this week at a, at a workshop that I'm, I'm a tour guide and I will, you know, be, be pointing and suggesting that you might want to have a look at, at what's going on in this particular direction, but you're free to carry on staring at your phone. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And I, I think, you know, this, this group I was talking about often give you feedback because they, they evaluate you as soon as you leave. And some of the feedback I get some great feedback, but then often I get some like, well, it wasn't very clear. Um, you know, there was no takeaways. And in the past that would have bothered me and I probably would have changed what I did because of that. But now I'm like, well, I do, I do look at what I'm doing and going, is there anything I want it? But actually, no, no, I, I'm happy with them not getting it. Yeah. Because if they were to get it, I'm not trying hard. On, in, in a way, I'm diluting. Well, and here's the thing that I've that I've noticed, and and again, it's come up with uh, came up with a um, private client this week who was giving me every indication. Oh yeah, I get it. Oh okay, I get it. But I I just felt, yeah, it's it's like you said. You, you actually said in a uh, earlier on something about um, not getting it intellectually, and I can I could I could sort of sense and feel that this person, yeah, the they're getting it intellectually and then it's almost like so the blind come across it's like okay yeah i've heard enough so i'm no longer going to let let anything else in yeah do you come across that oh, oh and i'm an expert in that because that was me right uh, and i remember being told by one of my mentors if ever i have a client that's intellectually stuck in this i'm going to send them to you because um i i was intellectually seeing this a lot before it kind of it did seek in enough for me to want to invest in it but it, it, i i i struggle my intellect with this understanding so i can really relate to clients on it um and i know how easy it is for the shutters to come down right and it, and it's the it's the curse of being smart um or at least pretending you are um or having an academic background you know it, it and it was quite a big thing for me to let go of that because that's how I got on in life. You know, I, I, I had quite a strong intellect um, or quite a strong smarts. I don't think I was particularly academic, but I, I, you know, I was quite quick. I was quite smart. I was, you know, and realizing that that wasn't all it was cracked up to be. And then there was something else to pay attention to didn't sit easily with me to start with because I had to let go of what had got me to where I got to in life which, you know, my life was going quite well. So it wasn't like I was on the scrap heap and therefore I was willing to let go of stuff. Um, and I come across people like that all the time. Obviously I do because my mind creates it. But, um, it, 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 and, and so I find that bit fascinating, mm. really fascinating. I can really relate to people when they talk about that. Um, and I feel very grateful that for some reason I was, resilient or, or or persistent enough to carry on even though my brain went well i've got this you know i kind of know this i'm very very grateful that i that i managed to do that um it was some humility required actually um so yeah it, it, it that was a great thing that and and i think that really helped my coaching um 
and if anybody's listening to this, because I, I, I've asked myself this question and then I have my own answer, which I'll, I'll happily give. But OK, so I have a client like that in front of me. They're like, yeah, I get it now. The shutters have come down. As a coach, what do you think there is for us to, to do at that point? Well, I, I, I think that's our job, because I think the understanding will seep through is just how much of it and when do the shutters come down. Mm. Right. So our job is to keep getting them to see that their shutters have come down when they don't realize they have. Mm. So they come down invisibly. They don't tend, most people, they don't come down in a cynical, skeptical way where they know they've come down, right? They're what I call invisible lids, right? We put an invisible lid to our understanding. And I think our job as a coach is to go, is to help them see their invisible lid. Yeah. And the way we do that, I think, is, and again, I'm going to use this word, which might be annoying, through our own grounding and just sitting and talking to them because we'll see it, yeah. right, where they can't. And then we point. And I was with a client yesterday, and I got really, really clear with him about something he couldn't see. And I, I sort of said it, I, I spelt it out. And I was being quite direct and quite rude and quite, you know, uh, and, he, and he texted me after some went, got it, seen it, okay, you're still on about that, aren't you, kind of thing. But we were joking, and he was like, yeah, I, I wouldn't have seen that. So I, I do think that's the bulk of our job. Once we've given people an immersion in the understanding, I think the bulk of our job is to help them see that. I'm seeing it so much more than I was. I'm seeing it, and that's what's developed for me in the last six, seven years of this understanding, is my nuance spotting is phenomenal to what it used to be. Mm, beautiful. Lovely. Does that make sense? And new on, I don't think it's even yeah. afraid of spotting. I, I, might, no. I might keep that one in. It's quite yeah. a good. It's, it's, to me, it, it's amazing what people show up in their yeah buts. When people start showing you their buts, um, there's always lots of clues there. <laughs> yeah. And, and even, I think, more subtly than that, um, it... it I, I, someone said it to me who I was co-facilitating uh, someone was co-facilitating a three day with me and they'd done it with some other people in the principal they said gosh you really you really go for that nuance don't you and I'm like so I do <laughs> you know um, and maybe I'm a pedant I don't know but I, I see so much value in that nuance I don't think it's yeah. pedantic I hope it isn't um, because that's that's the bit they can't see and, and then once that op that opens into something much bigger it might be a tiny weeny little thing on the outside but it's it's Massive on the inside, if you see what I mean. So there's one thing you mentioned here, and um, I I see people writing, talking about this. Um, it is again um, comparison. So um, you touched on the fact that you've been divorced. I've been divorced twice, and mm. um, you know, in some respects, you could look at my life and the relationships and and deem them quite unsuccessful. And yet, and yet, I know I've helped numerous people with relationships and yet i still see and i and i and i completely disagree with it people say well choose a coach based on how they're living their life um and whilst i can understand the logic in it to me it seems to um dismiss the opportunity to learn from people i mean i've had a fantastic conversation with this homeless guy who really impacted me and his view of life and things that he <laughs> valued in life and i'm thinking yeah but I, I don't want a life like here i mean that to me that just throws that theory out the window so um <laughs> tell us a little bit really about what was going on for you perhaps in your own mind um no doubt in this respect in, in regards to getting divorced and and how you feel about how you feel about that that kind of comparison anyway yeah so i'll answer the uh second bit first so i you know I, I don't care about someone's lifestyle how they run their life i probably do mind a little bit about their internal lifestyle if you know what i mean like how, how they run their mind mm. that might bother me a little bit more than but i don't care on the external manifestation at all um so it's their grounding i care about rather than their lifestyle i suppose if i was looking for a coach for me that would be you know i don't care about how they manifest but i might care about their grounding um but but the the, the the getting separated and divorced thing was was um, yeah. So it was it was not something I I wanted, and it was my ex-wife's idea, and it came out of the blue for me. And I and and one of the things that occurred to me was, well, 
given I was so blatantly unaware of what was going on and, you know, for her to decide she wanted to separate, I must have been really out of touch. Um, how can I credibly be what I am as a coach um, for to miss that? And I think one of my mentors said, God, how did you not see that coming? And I was like, okay, don't rub that in. That, that wasn't my fear. Um, and um, so I had some thinking about it for a little while that it would, people might judge me for it because I was judging myself, right? Yeah, so therefore yeah. I thought other people would. Um, and funny enough, <laughs> other coaches who were divorced, maybe I, I don't think I particularly thought of you at the time, Phil, but other coaches I knew were divorced, I didn't think it would affect them at all. I, I thought it's okay to be a coach who's divorced, it's just not okay for me, mm. right? So, which is a bit, now I think about it, it's slightly odd, but anyway, that, that's, that's how human mind works. And, and but what, what, so I remember when I, the first few weeks or, or couple of months of it happening, I just seemed to come out of my mouth and I shared it with a client, relevantly, not because, you know, I must tell you something about me, because I don't really talk about me, but I only talk about what's relevant for the, our conversation. Um, and it blew them away, um, the, how I was talking about it. And they were like, gosh, th this stuff, these principles you talk about, yeah, I totally see that in what you're saying about, you know, because the way you're, you're relating to it is not how I'd expect someone in your circumstance to be. So this is real. You, you, you see this, don't you? Right? Mm -hmm. And it really backed up what I was talking about. Right? And, and that really surprised me that they saw it like that. And then I thought, well, why wouldn't they? Because it's kind of true. So actually, it went from being like, oh, I don't want to talk about it, to when relevant, I will talk about it, because I think it brings some realness to me and my understanding. Um, so then it almost became an acid, right? <laughs> <laughs> Not that I sort of dine out on it, but um, it, it kind of brought a bit of, because I think sometimes with this understanding, people can go, well, that's fine as long as nothing big has gone wrong in your life. Yeah, yeah. Right? So, and I don't really see a divorce as big. I, I suppose not living with my children was more, 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 um, impactful to me than not having um, the person I married be around but um, it, yeah so actually it changed it changed and and, and now I really relate to the you know it, it and um, but I for a while for a little bit I saw it as a black mark mm. yeah um, one, I mean I will say one thing I've realized from um, what felt at the time like a very traumatic relationship breakup last year um to now uh i came across a picture a few days ago relating to this person and i just noticed how completely neutral my thinking was like there was nothing going on completely zero and yet you know six months ago nine months ago <laughs> it was very very emotive such a mess and to me this like i'm so like i'm really grateful for that in the end to, to have to have um had that what really felt like a traumatic experience which of course was all traumatic thinking i had loads and loads of things very obsessive i was obsessive about it at the time but not all the time but you know at times and yet now i'm just fascinated at how neutral like there was there's nothing there and to me that's that's huge that we have that, like you said, a capacity rather than um, a tendency, perhaps. I love I love how you describe that. We have that capacity towards peace, to have to have peace. Well, it, a funny little thing popped in my mind as you were speaking, Phil, because um, yesterday my ex-wife got married and um, in Australia and, um, you know, the, the kids were very, very excited. So I said, oh, send me some photos of the kids looking all smart and, and fancy. And, and they, you know, look so cute. And, 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 and the, I, she sent some photos through. Um, the thought that crossed my mind <laughs> is, just, is there was some, like, I can't, like, table decorations or something, you know, that looked a bit fancy. And I was like, oh, they're interesting. And then, then my head went, well, 
oh, is, is that where my money's gone? You know, kind of like <laughs> on fancy table day. So I wasn't like overwhelmed with jealousy of what's going on. My mind went to the table decorations, right? And it was just, I, I just found it hilarious what my mind decided to do when it saw those photos. Yeah. Right? First of all, I thought my kids were incredibly cute and they look, they look so happy, right? Um, and then I went to table decorations, right? And I'm not a table decorations person. Um, <laughs> And I didn't really get serious on the money of it, you know, but that it was just like, uh, yeah, and that was just yesterday, you know, that that, uh, that happened. And it so, and, I, and I, as I was laughing at myself, I just thought, isn't, isn't the world so beautiful in the way it unfolds? Um, I now also, it's a real opportunity from getting divorced, you know, uh, I'm in another relationship and get to explore that. Um, from fresh with this understanding and that's so wonderful to have that um, ability to explore a new relationship Uh, one can argue every relationship is new in every moment but so I wouldn't have had that I hadn't got divorced so um, and that's something I can talk to my clients about um, you know because I guess that that helps so it's um, it's great that that life unfolds I'm really glad that life is a contact sport um it, it just makes it richer and i can enjoy the ride rather than being slightly scared of the ride and i think that comes through that so there's really in, in the coaching now i do and in a way it sounds a bit wrong but I, I just so don't buy into my clients content i respect them as a human totally and what they are but i don't respect their content so whatever's going on in their life they're terminally ill they you know i i somehow don't doesn't nothing phases me in that I, I can hopefully connect with them about it and I don't just go oh bad luck you know but it, it I don't have I don't compared to when I was first coaching you know if, if a client came to me and there's a load going on in their life that would phase me mm. am I can I manage this <laughs> you know um I remember a client going to me you've got your work cut out of me and I was like oh gosh yeah maybe I have but I, I don't respect anyone's content like that anymore. I, don't, I, I hope people are saying what I mean by respect. I don't mean I disrespect the person. It's just their content is kind of what it is. I don't care what it is. Yeah, I've said to, to a few people that um, I'm fascinated with the strength of their conviction rather than the content of it. <laughs> nice way of saying it. Nice, nice. Yeah, yeah. How, yeah. how we all we all do it to varying degrees, but you know that white knuckle gripping onto our own opinion, beliefs, and shoulds, and how we think things should be, and how we think they are. And that it's like the 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 strength of gripping onto that is what fascinates me more than than the content because yeah, you know that 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 is being made I- up. And I think that, you know, I used to, um, back in the day, I used to uh, volunteer for the National Phobic Society. And one of the things that used to, I used to, amazes me about that was how convinced someone could be of their phobia and how powerful it could turn up. Hmm. And if you want to see how powerful the mind is, you watch someone who's phobic of a, of a butterfly or a, or, a, or, a, or a ladybird, you know, that shows you the power of the mind. Yeah, yeah. Right? That that could freak them out. And as you say, the strength of their conviction that they want to be in a different continent to that butterfly, right? You know, just shows you the power of it. Yeah, beautiful. So thank you for your time, Piers. Um, I'm wondering, I'm going to ask you a similar question perhaps to last time. Uh, I don't know if I asked it as explicitly as this. But if you had a group of coaches in a room, um, they were perhaps in their first couple of years, uh, building a practice with perhaps the usual struggles that we hear about and uh, oh, which reminds me of another question really actually I was going to ask you what you might say to them but there's something here that I'd notice and I don't know whether it's just a whether this would be part of what you, you share um, I t- obviously I talk to a lot of coaches not least because of their podcast but I talk to a lot of a lot of, of coaches anyway and been to so much coaching training and events and stuff so of those have become friends and whilst i have no scientific evidence of this whatsoever i've not done any kind of formal survey there's a feeling that i have that uh is it really those that seem to have an understanding of the principles we've talked about today that 
how can I put this, that perhaps aren't making as much money or seem to struggle with money more than uh, conventional coaches? Yeah, I mean, I think personally, no, I'm earning more than I was. Uh, it dipped for a few years, but I'm earning more than I was. So, so personally, no, because it's freed me up to charge more. Mm-hmm. Um, but I, I would say I probably agree with your observation and if I had to guess as to why, I would say there's probably a, a couple of reasons, and this is just me guessing, is one, it might be that they value money less, right? Yeah. So, you know, in that in that slightly classic trite way, they're less outside in, so the money is less important to them. They want to do work that's meaningful, and they want to make it more accessible to people. Um, so they, they genuinely value it less uh, and need less of it. Um, and their business is not about making money. It, it's making enough money to live, but it's not about trying to create excess for, for whatever. Um, and also on the other side of that, there are people who who have an understanding of the principles who as coaches who aren't self-expressed enough in what they want to charge, mm. right? And because the market is smaller for this kind of coaching, it, it, it's, if, if you like, it's a harder sell against some conventional personal development interventions it's less well known right they kind of then discount to get in Mm. right so so they 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 don't have if you like let's assume they wanted to charge more they don't have the conviction right and they think well actually because this is a bit weird a bit different or discount now i i don't know the blend of those two i don't even know those two categorizations are right uh, I don't know the blend of them, but that's two of the things I see. Hmm. Yeah. So, again, if um, if you did have a bunch of coaches in the first couple of years of their practice, yeah. Um, just to, what 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 would your message to them be? Well, I think the coaching profession is is splitting. I I think the word you know it's a young profession compared to say lawyers or accountants, but I think it's evolving into different segments. So it really would, I would ask that those bunch of coaches, let's assume from they're across the coaching spectrum, mm-hmm. what kind of coach do you want to be? Because I don't even really think I'm a coach anymore compared to what other people are doing, right? I think I'm doing something different. It's, it's probably under the banner of coaching, but I, I, so I would want them to really get curious about what they want to be right? Because the coaching that I'm doing now, which is helping people understand what they are, not who they are, right? But what they are as a human being, how experience works. And then yes, there are some things, implications for their life comes later. It's totally different to what I used to do. It would look similar, right? So I'd want to know what do you want to be, right? And and they may not know the answer yet, because until you've experienced being through it, you can't really answer the question. So it's a bit of a false question for them. But I think I would want them, I, I, the question I'd ask them is, just get really curious as to your role you have in your client's world, right? And what, what job you want to do? What are you trying to aim at? And then to help with that inquiry, really explore your own, what we've, we've described as grounding, which is how you see the world, how you see the human system, the, the psycho-human spiritual system, how you see that, because that will inform what well, it did for me. It will totally inform and dictate, because my mouth just started moving differently, remember, right? How you <laughs> coach. So I would tell them not to get too indulgent on all their tools and techniques and certificates and that, I would tell them to see what they see as a human being and what they see in other human beings and let that be your guide. Um, There's some very well-meaning coaching schools out there and I used to sort of run one, um, but that's not where the action's at. The action is much more behind the eye than that. Um, So that'd be my kind of unhelpful, profound advice to them. And my practical advice would be Bear in mind, it takes a lot longer than you think, what it seems to to me, right? Um, Go at it with a full heart, Um, even if that's only part-time. I I don't mean ditch everything else and dive in. I don't mean that at all, because sometimes it might suit people better to run it alongside another Mm. another profession. But when you are doing it, do it with a full heart. Um, 
and and I suppose it's that classic thing about you know when something goes from your hobby to your job you stop enjoying it so if you're not enjoying it if you're not loving connecting with people getting it wrong getting it right um enjoying it then then you know just get curious about it again because i'm not saying you're going to enjoy every moment of it that's not how human ebb and flow works but if it feels like a job and it feels like you're trying to build a practice and trying to get somewhere that would be a little bit of a feedback for me that i'm not in the right space there's my rambles phil oh this has been an absolutely wonderful conversation Piers. thank you so much um it sounds like a bit bruce forsyth to say you know oh, this is definitely my favorite episode but it's certainly one of my favorite episodes um really there's so much in here um and i said i think i said this last time and uh, when you when you came on i'm already looking forward to listening to this one again and i absolutely yeah. am. i think there's there's so much in here so thank you for for reaching out suggesting we we have that part two and and for for taking your time giving your time to to the listeners of this podcast thank you well thank you phil i've totally enjoyed it and i hope other people have enjoyed it as much as you and i have (laughs) (laughs) thank you thanks phil well, really, what a wonderful conversation that was, exploring with Piers how his understanding of the three principles has impacted his coaching, his coaching business, and indeed his life. Piers has been in this game a long time, 18 years, and eight of those coaching with this understanding. I, I loved his wonderful, concise description, by the way, of, of the principles at the start of, of our conversation and how he noticed his coaching changed organically with that understanding he said his mouth started saying different things i also uh, love his confidence and what he describes as grounding he believes in what he knows irrespective and independent of whether anyone else does that's a very powerful place to coach from have to say, I also loved his midwife analogy as a coach. Hope you did too. This is definitely one I'll be listening to again. I hope you've enjoyed it. I have some fabulous guests lined up. And yes, a few more repeat guests too. So watch this space. Thank you, as always, for listening. I wish you much love and joy. Enjoy.